Well, good morning, church. You all awake this morning? Ready to go? Some of you are. If you will this morning, turn with me to uh, John chapter 4. That's where we're going to be this morning. In light of worship, it to me is awesome to see how people are growing. Um, as uh, I just couldn't help to see, as uh, and I'm trying to put anybody about our worship team, how they have been uh, been growing in the Lord, and, and to see uh, them allowing God to speak through them. I don't know if that spoke to you guys, but it got it just really spoke to my heart. And um, I just I'm thankful for you guys as the worship team, just allowing God to work through you, and uh, and being that vessel. But. Uh, John chapter 14, I mean John chapter 4, sorry, that's where we're going to be this morning. The promise is that God will satisfy, God will satisfy. And I think we need to rest in that promise that God will satisfy because a lot of people are looking for all kinds of things to try to satisfy. We think a lot of different things is going to, is going to make me happy. It's going to make me feel better. And, and a lot of times our life is a struggle because we're just searching from one thing to the other, trying to find something that's going to satisfy us. All of us have a, have a desire. Uh, just, we have desires that, that, that sometimes can't be fulfilled in any other way but through Jesus. And the sooner we realize that, the better our life will be. The better that we'll, the more joy we'll have, the, the, the happier we'll be, the, the, the better that we can be able to, to uh, when things come against us, we can still rest that Jesus satisfies us instead of all this stuff. Before we dive into this, um, this text this morning, let's just let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, as we uh, begin to dive into this, Lord, as we begin to dive into this promise this morning that you satisfy, that you promised that you would satisfy us. God, I pray that we would rest in that, Lord, this morning. I pray, God, that you would search our hearts. And if there's areas in our life that we haven't given to you, there's things in our life that, that, that we put above you, then, God, I pray you would convict us of that. Lord, I pray we would leave here this morning different than the way we came in. That, God, we would realize that this is not a religious activity, that this is just coming, gathering together, believers gathering together to worship the one and true God. And that, Lord, that you are here amongst us this morning. And then when they leave this place, they leave this place different than the way they came in. Lord, minister to my heart, Lord. I'm not just a pastor, Lord. I'm a follower of you. And God, I pray that you would minister to my heart, Lord, as far as everyone else in this room. Allow us, Lord, to leave this place being your people and being sold out to you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So John chapter 4 is, is the story that all of us, a lot of us have grown up knowing. It's the story of the woman at the well, uh, the Samaritan woman um, at the well. I'm going to read, um, read little sections of it, then we'll just break it down this morning. So, so John chapter 4, in the beginning of this, it says, uh, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who was baptizing them, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, 
And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by this well. It was about to be noon. So when Jesus, so when, so when the Samaritan woman came to draw the water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Because disciples had gone into town to buy food. I'm going to hold off right there for a second. So here you find Jesus going into a town. I want to set this up for you and let you understand where we are in this story. Is, is Jesus was, was leaving one town and he was going, uh, going to another town. It says he had to, had to go through Samaria. Now, there was a lot of different ways to get around Samaria. Samaria was a place that Jews hated. They hated the people of Samaria. There was a lot of, a lot of uh, tension there of the Samaritans. They thought of them, uh, there was a lot of racial tension, a lot of, a lot of division there. I mean, they, li- they literally hated Samaritans because they were half-breeded. They were half-breeds between um, Jews and, and pagan, uh, pagan people. So J- they just hated those, those Samaritans. So Jesus, being a Jewish man, shows up in a town that they try to, you know, act like they, they're better than those people. It, it, calls some, it calls that woman to be like, well, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Especially to talk to a woman at a well. In that time, women were, were, were second-class citizens. Women were looked down upon. So, so he goes, and Jesus goes in here, and he talks to this woman. And as he talks to this woman... I want you to notice through this story, as he talks to this woman, her knowledge of him grew until she accepted him and, and realized he was the Savior. It started as, okay, you're just a Jewish man. Then it was, okay, now you're Lord, and now, okay, now I want to follow you. And a lot of us, so many of you in here today, are along that road in some spot. Some of you just know Jesus for, you've heard of him. You, you, you've been exposed to him because you've been to church from time to time but you've never trusted in him as your Lord and Savior. Some of you know that he is the Messiah. Some of you know that, but you really are not following him. You've just been playing games, doing church. And some of you here today are really true, sold-out followers of Jesus Christ. But nobody in this room can escape this promise that God will satisfy. Whether you're a child of the king, whether you don't know Jesus, I'm telling you, Jesus is the only one that can satisfy you. He's the only one that, that, that's going to that's gonna fill up that hole in your heart that you've been trying to fill junk in your whole life. He's the only one that's going to change that. And as you see, we go through this story, I want you to see this woman that had been doing all kind of separate certain things, all kind of different things, trying to, to fill this hole in her heart. Until the end, she realized that Jesus was the only one that could satisfy her. Jesus was the only one. So the dialogue between Jesus and the Samaritan woman, it starts in verse 7 when it says, When the Samaritan woman came to the well, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? And then verse 9, The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you, for a drink, you would ask him, and he would have given you this living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw this water with this water with. The well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his fathers and his livestock? 
So in the beginning of this, she realized that Jesus was a Jew, okay? Asking this woman for a drink. There's no reason he should have talked, he should not have been talking to her. But she realized that he was, there was something different about Jesus. And when you read it in this day, you read it, if you read it, you, you kind of put it in the, in the terms of, of, uh, of today's things. It's kind of like, hey, showing up, at some, showing up in town and there's a, there's a woman there in town and, at, at the fountain. And you're like, hey, will you give me something to drink? And, and there's nobody else around but you, but you two. And this woman thought he wanted more than just a drink of water. It's like, what do you want? What are you, what are you asking me? What are you implying? You know, she, she thought there was more to the question than just, hey, what, what do you mean, give me a drink? He's sitting here parched. He's sitting here thirsty. And I love this part about how Jesus, it shows that he is fully human because it says he was tired. And he sit this well, and this woman's there. And she was kind of wondering, was he, did he have hidden motives? A lot of times we come to church and we come to God thinking he's got hidden motives for our life. We think that, okay, well, if I surrender then he, you know, he hadn't told me everything he wants me to do. And if I do surrender, then what does that mean? What, what, what does that mean? So we come to God guarded. We come to God, we come to, a lot of times we come to God with this guard of saying, okay, all right, so really what do you want from me? What do you, what do you want me to do? What, what does it mean to follow you? And we come guarded. In her mind, she knew that she had been a second-class a second citizen, so why would a Jewish man be talking to her? A lowly, dirty Samaritan woman. Why would he be talking to her? Why would he be, I mean, why? Why couldn't he dip the water out of that himself instead of asking me to do it? Why? And here when I read this, I see that no matter what people think about you or what you think about yourself, that we're all equal in God's eyes. All of us are equal in God's eyes. I think about going back to, to, to chapter 3. Jesus just went and talked to Nicodemus. He was a very high religious leader. He was in social status. He was, he was on the high of the totem pole. And now you find him talking to a Samaritan woman, which is at the lowest of the low. So it goes to tell me that you can't, you can't be too high or too low to the grace of God. Amen? So Jesus is, is trying to make us aware and let, let us see that we're all equal in God's eyes. And no matter where you are this morning, no matter where you are this morning, God is, is wanting you to follow him, no matter what side of the spectrum that you're on. And a lot of us come to God like the Samaritan woman and think that we have done so much wrong that we can't get God's grace. But that's not the truth. As I, as I look through, and, and also what he told Nicodemus, he told Nicodemus that, hey, you have to be born again. And then he tells the woman at the well, you need to be filled with this living water. Both, both mean the same thing. But the difference is, is Jesus knew what would speak to them the most. Jesus knew right, right exactly where to speak to their need. He knew that Nicodemus was confused about what salvation meant. He knew that Nicodemus was, was about religion. It was about himself. And he was like, hey, it's not about religion. It's about being born again and changing your heart and following me. And now this woman at the well, she's been searching for all these things to satisfy her. And he's like, hey, the only thing that's going to satisfy you is me because I'm the living water. 
Jesus speaks directly to our need. He speaks directly to our heart to reveal to us what our greatest need is. You know, continue on in verse 11. He says, she goes, she says, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw the water with. The well is deep. So where can I get this living water? And are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself? as did also his sons and his livestock. So Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks water from this well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in them a spring of living water, welling up to eternal life. So so many of us are focused on what's going to satisfy us, what's going to make me feel good, what's going to make me happy. Am I the only one that, that, that has struggled with this? All right, three of you. Y'all got to talk to me this morning. But we, we, we kind of we, we try to go after fame. We try to go after certain things that's going to make us feel important, make us feel valued, make us feel like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm the man or I'm the woman. I, I feel great about myself. We try to do all these things. And we're always looking to be filled but usually every time I get something that I think is going to satisfy me, it's not long after that, I'm looking for something else. I'm looking for something else. I think about, as she talks about Jacob's well, I think about Jacob's well, I I, I just, uh, I begin to think about Jacob's life. See, Jacob, he was the son of Joseph. Jacob was, um, it was him, and he deceived his brother for his birthright. He thought, if I could just get this birthright, I'll have all my father's stuff, I'll have all this stuff, and I'll be satisfied. And all that did was cause division between him and his brother, and he had to flee. So that didn't, that didn't satisfy Jacob. So he goes and he goes to his uncle Laban, and he sees his, his he wants to marry his uncle's, uh, his, his uncle's daughter, Rachel. He says, well, if I can just get the perfect woman, then I'll be satisfied. Well, you know the story. His uncle tricked him. He worked seven years. His uncle tricked him. He thought he was going to get the beauty queen. And instead, he got the ugly duckling. He pulled the veil back, and it scared him to death. But when he seen that, he worked seven years thinking, Rachel's going to satisfy me. Rachel's going to satisfy me. And then he gets Leah. So many, to me, that speaks to me. So, so many times I think that this certain thing is going to, it's going to, man, it's going to satisfy me. And then when I get it, it's not really what I thought it was going to be. So he continues to work. He's only worked seven more years. And so he continues to work for Rachel. And finally, finally he gets Rachel. But you see, his focus was all on Rachel. It was this, this woman is going to satisfy me. This woman is going to make me feel wonderful. And he was just, putting that, that thing, that certain thing, if really it was like idolatry. He was idolizing that one thing so much, focusing on that one thing so much. Did it one time say anything about God? A lot of us focus more on the bucket, focus more on what we're going, what, what, what we're going to, how we're going to fill ourselves than we do about the well we're getting the water out of. We keep, we keep looking for all kinds of different things. Like, how about approval for others? Or, or, or maybe, maybe if I can just escape this hurt I'm in, I'm going to feel better. 
money, sex, community, family, hobbies, a mate, whatever. And, and whenever these things don't satisfy us, we think, okay, okay, I, got, I just got to get another bucket. I got to get another bucket. We start off with this little small bucket, and we got this, and maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's a relationship, and you got this little bucket, and it's like, okay, th- this woman's going to satisfy me. This man's going to satisfy me. And then soon, that bucket is empty, and you're like, oh, I'm thirsty again. What's going on? So you, you, you go and you go get another bucket. And when you get this other bucket, it's, it's the same thing. Some of us think, well, okay, all right, well, it's, I need to get a bigger bucket. The bigger bucket I get, then it'll make me be satisfied longer. The bigger house that I can buy, I'll be satisfied longer. The more money I can make, I'll be satisfied. The more toys I have, man, the more toys I can have, then I will be satisfied. Then when you buy these toys, you buy these things, in two or three weeks, guess what? The new has worn off, and you're like, oh, God, I got this payment. (laughs) You wish you hadn't bought it. It went away, and you find yourself in more burden than anything because we're focused on this bucket, and we're constantly trying to get a different bucket. And we're trying to get different things to satisfy us. And, but in reality, we're searching, and we're dipping out of the well of the world that's telling you these things. They're telling us that, hey, just getting something else will make you feel better. You can get another spouse. If your spouse isn't pleasing you, then get another spouse. They'll make you happy. Wrong. If this job isn't working out, then you need to just get another job. Come on. Y'all looking at me crazy this morning. Amen. My man's going to hit me right in the back. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm saying that we, look at, we focus so much on the bucket. We, set, we keep dipping it out of the same well, and we got to realize the only time, our thing, our, only time it's going to change until we change our focus and where we're getting our satisfaction out of. If, if things, if people... If, if all this material stuff is what you get your satisfaction out of, you're going to constantly be running dry. Every day, you're going to be dry as a bone because there's no satisfaction in those things. I, I think I've shared with you guys before. I mean, it was, it, to me, it was always a pursuit of, of money. If I could just have more money. All right. Well, then with, with having more money, it was having more things. And the more things I had, the more satisfied I was. Until one day I looked out there and, and, and there was, I had all these things in the yard and I didn't, I mean, I, didn't, I hadn't even noticed them. They had dust on them I hadn't, because I didn't value those things. It didn't give me the, the desire, the comfort that I needed. And every time one of those things, I, I would sell it and get something else or do something different. And I was, what I was doing, I was trying to poke a, something in a hole that I had and I couldn't figure out what it was. And until I surrendered my life to Jesus, until I really followed, started following him, that desire didn't ever, never did go away. But when I really put my hope in him and this promise that he satisfies, that's when everything started changing for me in my walk and my pursuit with God. Because if everything else satisfies you, you're just going to come to church out of religious experience and you're never going to grab hold of the fact that he should sustain you throughout the week. You can't come to this place and say, all right, I'm going to come to church and make myself feel good. You know what's going to happen? You're going to leave tomorrow and you're going to mess up. You're going to mess up. You're going to continue to mess up. And, and by, by Friday, it's going to be like, am I even a Christian? What's going on with me? You know why? Because you're going to the wrong well. And until you surrender your life and give it to Jesus, let me tell you, to, to be in the well, you got to constantly be dipping out of it. 
You got to constantly be getting fed by the word of God. You can't just come to church can't be a religious activity and experience. It's got to be a life changing pursuit of God. Every single day. That's what that's the well he's talking about. That's what he's trying to tell this woman. You're coming to this well for temporary relief, and I can give you relief for eternity. But you've got to turn it over to me. You've got to give it to me. That's what he's telling right here. As he begins to tell her, you know, I, I'm reading about this well stuff, and, and he also refers to a, a, a spring. When he says, everyone who drinks of this well, in verse 13, he says, everyone who drinks of this well will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the well I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And when I think about a spring of water, I go, I go straight to Psalms 1. I'm just going to read it to you. Chapter, chapter 1, verse 3 says, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. And as you think about those things, think about a well, think about a living water, a spring coming up inside of you. I directly, because we live in Jenkins County, when I think of a spring, I think of a well, I think of a uh, uh, Scarborough Landing, where that, where that uh, flowing well, thank you. Where that flowing well, it, it, it's been going for years since I was a kid. And, it, and it's always flowing, it's always going. And the only way that I'm going to stay filled there, if I go to get something to drink, I take my cup and I fill it up with that well, and I back up and I drink it, I'm thirsty again. The only way I keep that cup full is what? I keep it under the flow of the well. Keep it under the flow of that spring. But keep coming to God with these buckets. Keep coming to God with these things, trying to fill ourselves constantly. We've got to realize that the spring of the living God should be inside of us. And as the spring of the living God is inside of us, it's going to continue to produce fruit. It's going to continue to produce these things. But you have to be, you have to be stuck into, hung into the spring. As the spring continues to just pump water out, it continues to pump water out and pump water out, a well is something you dip out of. So what do you have in your life? Are you dipping out of a well, or do you have the spring of life inside of you? It's continually, continually, people can see the fruit, can see the passion, can see the desire. A lot of us just come to God like he's a well. We just come on Sunday and get a dip out of it and think it's going to last us through all week. But in reality, it should be a relationship with him that flows through us every single day. Every single day. Verse 15 through 18 continues on. As the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to come up here to draw water. He told her, Call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is, you have five husbands. You have had five husbands, and the man you are now with is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on the mountain. But you Jews claimed that the place where we worship must be in Jerusalem. 
I'm going to pause right there. So Jesus goes right to this woman, and he's, he's exposing to her the reason she's not satisfied. He's exposing to her her sin. He's exposing to her what is keeping her from being satisfied. And what's the, what's the next thing she does? She changes the subject. You know what we do? When God starts dealing with us, we, we change the subject. You know, we, we, we want to start talking about something else. Oh, don't get off me. Don't talk about me. Let's talk about that person. Let's talk about this over here. And we don't want God to deal with us. We want God to deal with somebody else. Don't talk about me. Don't, God, oh, don't deal with me. He deals specifically where she is. He confronts this sin that she came to him with. What I love about this, though, when he came to her, he didn't condemn her. He didn't say, you adulteress, you sinner, I'm going to kill you. He didn't say that. He didn't condemn her. He came to her with love. He came to her with, with compassion. He was like, hey, he was leading her to the reality of where she was. A lot of you need to realize where you are right now. A lot of you need to realize where your heart is right now. So many times we come to God, we come to God's house and we come here and we just, it's all about just coming to this experience instead of really sitting down thinking, all right, where am I? What, God, what has God been telling you for the last couple months as you've been coming? A lot of times, a lot of you, he's been telling the same thing, but when he starts telling you those things, you start wanting to change the subject. God, don't talk to me right now. Don't make me raise my hand. All the people might think I'm crazy. Don't make me raise my hand. God, don't deal with me. Uh-uh. I seen them over there doing something last week, but don't deal with me. We've got to start going to the core issues of our problems so that we can see Jesus for who he really is. And he was talking directly to this woman. He was patient with this woman like he's been patient with a lot of you guys. I thank God he was patient with me. Two years I struggled with surrendering my life to Christ. Two years I fought back and, and, and had all this anxiety, all this bitterness. And then finally one day when I just surrendered, it all broke free. I felt a peace like I'd never felt before. And I'm telling you that because I want to give you the reassurance of releasing that. Giving God, giving God your baggage is what he wants you to do. Surrender your life to him is what he wants you to do. And it's the most freeing and peaceful thing you will ever do. You got to quit hanging on to the controls and give it to God. But the reason you won't do that is because you're dipping out of that well thinking that you can satisfy yourself and you will never be able to satisfy yourself. Your spouse will never be able to satisfy every need that you have. Why don't you trust in the God that created you that he knows what you need? He knows everything that you need. I'm getting ready to preach. When I realized that in verse 19 through 25, we're fixing to read in just a second, this woman, just listen to how she responds to him, okay? She realizes that she was dry. She realized that, that she was coming to this well over and over and over again and it was repetitive. How many of you keep coming to God for the same things over and over and over? How many of you keep coming to the same problem, the same issue, the same things? Every, every time you turn around, it's the same thing, the same prayer. You know why? Because you're not giving it to God. We go to the feet of Jesus and lay our burdens and we get up, we pick them right back up with us and take them home. And that's not what he's called us to do. Verse 19, she says, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. She finally sees that he's that he's a man of God. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we worship must be in Jerusalem. So woman, the Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. Mm. 
But we worship what we do know, for salvation is for the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and now has come, when, we, when the true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in the spirit and truth. Then the woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. That part in verse 22 just, just, just jumped out of the page at me. It says, you worship what you don't know. How many of us will worship a God we don't know? How many of us will worship a God we don't know? We come to church every week. We claim to know Jesus. We claim to be a Christian. We claim all this stuff, but we're not worshiping that God. We're worshiping ourselves. Worshiping what we want to do. We think we are going to satisfy ourselves instead of, if we really believe that Jesus satisfies, guess what? Everything will be on the table. All cards will be in Jesus' corner. We will give him every single thing of our life. We wouldn't hold anything back. Am, am I right? When I met Jesus, that's, that's what, God, take it all. God, I want to do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Because I knew, I finally found out that Jesus would satisfy. Partying and drinking didn't satisfy. Come on, none of that stuff satisfied. I was always thirsty again. I always wanted to do something else. There was nothing else that satisfied me, but when I gave my life to Jesus, everything changed. This woman realized that she was dry. She realized that she was always thirsty looking for something. And so many of us, are come, we come to church or we live in life and we're, we're always thirsty and we don't realize that what can satisfy us is right in front of us. Right in front of us. Jesus is begging you to surrender your life. He's asking you, hey, I'm right here. Just follow me. Just trust me. But yet we're like, nope, I got this. I can satisfy myself. I can do what I want to do, and everything that I do is going to satisfy me, but yet we keep going back to the same old things, trying to find a relief, trying to fix ourselves. No one no one can satisfy this woman. She had five husbands. That is a good thing that a man is not going to make you feel complete because he didn't make her feel complete. She had five husbands, then she was on to the next one. Who knows how this woman was? She might, she might have been a, a sure enough rough woman to live with. All five men might have kicked her to the curb. She might have been bitter. She might have been hateful. She might have been mean. Some of you might live with a woman like that. I hope not. The altar's down here. We'll talk about that later. But who knows what this woman's problem was? But see, she was jumping from relationship to relationship, from man to man. She was looking for something to satisfy her. And there's so many, I, I want to tell so many teenagers that, or people that are single right now that, look, a, a mate is not going to satisfy you. It's not going to make you feel complete. There's not that perfect person. All of us are flawed. The only thing that's going to make you the person God wants you to be is you to surrender everything to him and let Jesus satisfy you first. And when that happens, then you'll be satisfied with whoever God sends your way. Whether they're pretty or ugly, it don't matter. 
But as she was jumping from person to person, it's just a, it's a great example of realizing that she was not satisfied until Jesus gave her the true meaning of life. When I read, I read this week, and something else spoke to me, reading Jeremiah 2.13. And God is saying this to the prophet Jeremiah. He said, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of the living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And how many of us have dug our own cisterns? How many of us have dug our own things thinking they're going to satisfy us? I think what we need to realize is we are all broken. All of us are jacked up, even me. All of us have problems. All of us have issues. So if we have problems, if you have a broken, if I have a cup and it's broken and I put water in it, what's going to happen? It's eventually going to run out and it's going to be dry. That's what happens if we try to just fill it one time. But the only way to keep that broken cup, that broken bucket, whatever you, that broken cistern, the only way you can keep that thing full of water all the time is to keep it under the spring. Under the spring. How do you keep it under the spring? How do you keep your life under the, under the direction of God? You have to completely surrender your life and completely follow him every single day. That's what I, I just, I, I just, I, I don't know what else I'm going to preach, but this keeps coming to my heart, guys. As we keep coming to church every single week thinking that, that this one time is going to satisfy me, that all I got to do is go to church and I'm good, and it's not about church, it's about Jesus. It's about following him passionately. It's about giving him your life. It's about really wholeheartedly submitting your life to him. Everything about him should satisfy you. You should love him with every ounce of being in your heart because of what he's done for you. And if we get a hold of that, if you really let that take root this morning, and you will... You won't, you won't be in this battle all the time with trying to, to feel like this is satisfying me or that's satisfying me. You won't feel empty anymore. I can't tell you how freeing that is, is not to be empty anymore. I know that when I'm struggling and I feel like, like, like I'm getting dry, all I got to do is turn over to Jesus and guess what? I'm full again. I feel the presence of God with me, but you can't feel the presence of God with you if you don't have that spring welling up inside of you every single day. Just church don't do it. Doesn't do it. It won't do it. It can't do it. Because he didn't send the church. God sent Jesus to satisfy us. And I know we've grown up in, in, this, in this religious atmosphere in the South where it's all about church. It's all about things you do. It's, but it's not about church. It's about Jesus. And if you love Jesus, you're going to go to church. If you love Jesus, you won't be involved in church because the church is where God's people live. Amen? Amen. The church is where God's people are. You want to be around people like-minded. But the problem is, is you're not satisfied because you're not tied into the real well. You're not tied into the true thing. You're not let, you don't have that spring welling up inside of you because Jesus just don't satisfy you because you've never allowed him to satisfy you. We've got to give that to him this morning. Just wish so many people could understand that. And I'm not just telling you that because I'm a preacher. I felt that from the moment I gave him my life in 2008, I have felt just this, just this passion, this desire to tell people about him, to, to tell people what Jesus has done for me, to tell him, say, look, what God has done in my life. I didn't have that before. That's fruit of being 
filled with the Spirit of God. I want to ask yourself, ask yourself, is that me? Do I have that spring welling up inside of me? When I've got this friend or family member that I, that I know that if they don't turn their life over and give their life to Jesus Christ, I have a holy anxiety about me. I, I, just, I can't sleep, I can't rest until I go share Jesus with them. Because why? Because I know what he's done for me. I don't want them to be apart from God. I don't want them to die and go to hell. You don't have that unless you have the water of the spring welling up inside of you. I didn't care about anybody but me before. And then like overnight, it was like I cared about everybody. Why? That's what Jesus does. Every one of us in this room are looking for the purpose and the real reason for life. Every, every person is looking for, for why was I created? What am I supposed to do? What's going to give me purpose? That's why we pursue jobs like we do. That's why we pursue careers like we do. We do all these things to, to try to make sure that we can leave a mark, make sure that we, can, we, 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 we matter, for we feel like we matter. And we're trying to put our hope in those things instead of in Jesus. Jesus is the only one that's going to satisfy you. And this morning, we got to quit changing buckets. We got to quit swapping buckets. We got to quit thinking that all these other things are going to make me feel good. And start dipping out the right well. So, what well are you dipping out of? What is your satisfaction? What makes you, every single day, just want to go? Is it Jesus? This is as point blank as I can ask you today. When I go back to verse 4, I just want to read this book to me this morning. Verse 4 says, Now he had to go through Samaria. It didn't say he chose to. It didn't say he wanted to. It said he had to. He had to go to Samaria. Why? Because God had ordained a moment that this Samaritan woman was going to give her life to Jesus. This Samaritan woman was going to surrender all those things to Jesus. That was a God-ordained moment. That was a moment that, that, that God had ordained. This morning, you are not here by chance. God didn't lay this on my heart to preach this morning for any other reason, but somebody in this room needed to hear it. I'm not this eloquent speaker. I don't, I'm not smart enough to come up with this stuff. I'm just saying it whatever God lays on my heart, but I'm telling you guys. He had to go to Samaria. You're here today for a reason. He could have went two other directions to get to where he needed to go, but instead he had to go through Samaria. You could have stayed in bed this morning. You could have went to the lake this morning. You could have done a thousand other things, but you're here this morning. You're here for a reason this morning. Not by, not by just circumstances, not by just, just happening. You were here for a reason. And as I talked about earlier, this woman, she didn't come to Jesus automatically. When she came, the first conversation, she began to, to realize that, okay, there's something different about this man. 
And then as it progressed, she began to be like, okay, well, maybe he's a prophet. And then at the end, she realized that he was the only one that was going to satisfy her need. And she ran into the whole town and told everybody, look, come, let me tell you this man that knew everything about me. And Jesus knows everything about you. We keep coming in and out, in and out, every, every week. Like nobody knows what's going on. And I may not know your heart, but Jesus does. But God knows your heart. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows what you're trying to patch in your life. This woman was a, probably a bitter woman that was mad about the circumstances that happened in her life. She was probably upset with, with her life. Her life didn't turn out the way she thought it should turn out. She kept turning to other people to satisfy them, but nothing ever changed. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've been dipping out of the wrong well and you need to give your life to Christ this morning. Maybe you need to surrender that to Him. Maybe you realize you've been running the bucket to bucket for too long. One thing I've realized in my life is that most people find that one thing, that one thing that's worth living for to them, that one thing, and they're sold out to it forever. And if that one thing is not Jesus, you're going to be sold out to the wrong things. So ask yourself this morning, is that one thing, is that thing that I'm focused on, is that thing that, that is just engulfing my life, is that one thing Jesus? Is that one thing him? Is, does Jesus alone satisfy me? Does he satisfy you? See, this woman... She didn't realize three things about Jesus. She didn't realize who he was. To begin with, she didn't realize what he had to offer. And she didn't understand how to receive it. And that is the most common problem in every church service we come into. When people come in every week, a lot of them don't even realize who Jesus is. Jesus is the Savior of this world. Jesus came. Just understand what this is, what this Jesus did. I mean, he came down from heaven to, be, to live amongst us. It was hated. He was rejected. He was beaten. The very people he came to save didn't want anything to do with him, but he came and he went through it anyway. After he died on the cross, because if we believe in him, because of his death and resurrection, that we can have eternal life if we believe and follow Christ. I'm not talking about just believe that he was a good guy. I'm talking believe and follow. Follow him wholeheartedly, devotion, sold out to Jesus. That's what he did. He came so that you may follow him, so that you may have eternal life. But he has to be the one that satisfies you. And what does he have to offer? It's not just salvation. Salvation is just the beginning. It's the glorious beginning. But it's for that we may be made in the likeness of Christ, so that we may grow into the image of Jesus, so that eventually, as we grow in the likeness of Jesus, we will be heavenward bound. Anybody, everybody wants to go to heaven, right? Nobody wakes up in the morning and is like, you know what, I think I want to go to hell today. Nobody does that. Everybody wants to go to heaven. But Jesus has to satisfy. Because if you don't satisfy you, then you don't follow him. 
and a way to receive it. Is you have to surrender your life to him. You have to choose to follow him. God gave you the free will to choose to reject him or choose to follow him. And that's why every week it's so important that that we give you guys the opportunity just to receive Jesus, to, to make that commitment of saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. We, we ask you to raise your hand in connection because we want to celebrate your boldness of saying, I decided to follow Jesus. We want to, we want to celebrate that. We want to be excited about that. And we also want our prayer team to be able to come get you and pray with you so that you can know what your next step needs to be. That is why we do that. So we begin to, to get that part of this sermon, get, get a part of this message. Jesus is saying to a lot of you this morning to come and get this living water. Don't leave here today thinking what could have been. Don't leave here today thinking that, that maybe I should have accepted him. Don't leave here with all these what ifs. Make the decision today and stand in the fact that Jesus died for you and he loves you and he wants him to be your satisfaction. Rest in that. So that's you this morning. That's me. you saying, that's me. God is speaking to me. I want to surrender my life. I want, to, I want him to be my satisfaction. I'm tired of turning to all this other junk and nothing has satisfied me. I want you to be my satisfaction, Jesus. If that's you this morning, then just raise your hand. And say, that's me. That's me. You know, God, oh. God reveals things to some people. Sometimes it's so hard not to run to you and say you need to commit your life to Christ. And so many Sundays I'm up here and it's like looking at people running to a burning building and they don't realize it. By not raising your hand, you're saying you're satisfied. By not saying your hand, raising your hand, you're saying, I am okay. All of us in this room are followers of Jesus. All of us in this room are satisfied with him. And a lot of us are liars. Because we chase the wrong things. Even I sometimes get distracted. Even I begin to begin to look at satisfaction or people's approval of, of being something that satisfies me. So as the band comes up and begins to get ready, I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about who has your heart. And a lot of us, maybe Jesus, maybe God... Maybe God did have your heart a long time ago. Maybe he still does, but maybe that you've allowed things to come in and interrupt that. Maybe you've came in and, and there's been things that have caused you to, to back away. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe your, your broken cup is about halfway full this morning. 
And you need to be filled with more. That's what this altar is for this morning. If you guys will stand. When they start playing, you guys come on. You lay your burdens at the feet of Jesus. The purpose of church is not for us to succumb to this building. It's for us to leave here empowered to be the people of God he's called us to be. And I pray you do that today. Father, we love you. And God, we thank you so much for just for this service. And God, for uh, you just realize, making us realize that only you can satisfy us. Lord, so many times we look at different things. So many times we get caught up in life. So many times that we are trying to satisfy ourselves where things don't, don't matter. God, I pray that you would move in our hearts. Pray, God, that you would reveal places in our lives that we're not completely devoted to you. God, move in our lives in a powerful way. Lord, I pray that you would be the reason we live. I pray, God, that you would be that living water inside of each and every person in this room. I pray, God, that when that river, that living water just begins to just flow out, Lord, that there's fruit salt. People see the fruit in their lives. People see that there's a difference. People see that there's a desire, a change. God, I pray, Father, that you would pour your spirit upon us, Lord, and show us, Lord, what we need to give you. We can be the vessels that you want us to be. It's in your name we pray.